everyone, and welcome to Tabletop Radio Hour, your podcast for everything tabletop. My name's Zach, and this week, I'm joined by the regular crew. we got Mark and Logan. Mark, how you doing today, buddy? I am doing pretty well, I think. We'll see how today goes, because you never know. <laughs> Logan, how are you doing? Uh, I'm just plotting and planning. Zach? Nice. How you doing? <laughs> I'm here... I'm ready to play this game for the first time. I feel so left out. You guys have played it so much without me. Um, <laughs> but uh, today we are going to be playing Blades in the Dark. Uh, this is something that we've talked about, I don't know, either off or on air, wanting to play it for quite some time now. Um, if you don't know a little bit about it, uh, Logan, do you want to explain the wonderful, uh, dreary, dark world of Duskfall to everyone? Sure, yeah, yeah. So, imagine, if you will, step back with us to a time in the future that feels old and in the past. Everything is in a almost steampunk level of technology where machines are larger than they should be and how things work and, and are processed are with, you know, huge Industrial Revolution era sorts of, you know, mechanisms run on weird eldritch powers and really demon blood. Demon blood that's harvested from the Leviathans that sail in the sea that surrounds what landmasses of our world still exist. The sun's been blotted out and humanity is holding on just for what they can. The rich, being who they are, continue to exploit the poor and continue to just enjoy themselves while the world literally falls apart around them. Well, we can't let that stand as rogues ourselves. We need to make them remember. We need to cut a little space for ourselves and get a little bit of our own in this bleak world. The world of Blades in the Dark is a... Bleak one, as Zach had said. Uh, the sun had been blotted out, so everything is always nighttime. The city we're in is called Duskfall, though this, the world itself uh, covers a few different little continents. But the sea itself is sometimes a sea, and sometimes you can see stars when you stare deep into it. There are leviathans that, that swim through that, and we have you know ships that go out trying to harvest their blood and harvest leviathans for the uh, etheric energies that their blood creates and that power all of our machines that keep us alive, that keep lights going to, you know, farm mushrooms and farm fish and farm whatever basic sorts of plants that we can, we can survive on in a world that doesn't really have a sun anymore. There are glimmers of brightness at dusk and dawn, and that's kind of how people are able to keep time. But more than that, it's about survival. Duskfall itself is a, a large, almost Venice-like city. Sorry, I was going to say Venusian. I'm like, that's we're not in Venus. <laughs> <laughs> Venice-like city with canals and little rivers that kind of cut through all of it. 
each section is separated out and each section kind of has each district of the town has its own feel its own levels of crime its own levels of wealth and support from the blue coats the local constabulary as well as um how much the occult affects things in a dark time like this Cults are kind of on a rise in their own fashion, and people are all struggling to try and make ends meet. But of course, the rich continue to party and enjoy themselves. So as rogues, as not really the best people, the best sorts, we are trying to cut out our own uh, in this world. And our group of rogues is known as the Sundered Roses. Each gang usually has its own sort of name. And we're just a small starting out gang. We have, a you know, uh, Zach and Mark are our main two people, and they might have some other folks they work with in that gang, but the Sundered Roses is an up-and-coming gang currently housed in the southern portion of the Silk, or I'm sorry, of the Six Towers uh, district. They have a, uh, a basic hunting area in Brightstone, which is one of the more up-and-coming, upper-middle-class, well-to-do sorts of places. With lots of high-end merchants like silversmiths and goldsmiths and some of the, the nicer sorts of merchants that you would see in a high-end city. There's also gardens there. And some of that is because of the past of one of our characters being a nobleman. We'll get to that in a minute here. As we come into Duskfall itself, we're going to see the city from above. <clears throat> a bustling metropolis of horse and cart. But it, you realize as you get closer, it's not horse and cart. It's, it's goat and cart. Uh, the dust goats, the... The oversized draft goats that are used to pull any sort of carriage or buggy situation are probably as big of it as an elk, and they have multiple horns, and sometimes their eyes are a little bit oddly offset. They, they are known for being a stable creature for the loads they need to bear, but for uh, how they can live on very simple food, uh, which makes, you know, things like real horses... <laughs> quite luxury and quite high-end. I'm not even sure if they're still around, really. But we see this draft goat pulling a little buggy down the street of Brightstone as we see people starting to set out their open signs and to lift shades. Uh, the morning, which still feels like it's as dark as can be, is only lit by the purple flickering lanterns of the steam lights that are uh, lighting up Brightstone. The lanterns in this area are run by the uh, Leviathan blood that I was talking about beforehand and are a newer invention in the city as much of other parts of the city are, are run by traditional, you know, uh, oil lanterns. And these are, are a little bit different here. Some of the, the more middle-class areas might have electrical uh, starting to be plumbed in, but Brightstone likes to put itself kind of on the top of things. They like to, to kind of show off a little bit. We can see there is one particular gentleman who is just opening the shade on the window part of his door, and we see that on his forehead, on his brow, drapes a jewel resting off of his finely wrapped silk turban. He's looking out on the street, and then he reaches up, and down his arm slides a python and wraps around his neck and kind of just rests there on his shoulders. As he turns back inside, the camera pushes through the door. We can see a storeroom full of random, bizarre artifacts layering the walls. And with a strike of music, our camera shifts over towards another part of the city, 
scanning across both rich and poor districts, a kind of a university area and a uh, nearly slum-like area. And we find ourselves in Silkshore, where the Red Lantern District and the artist quarters of the city light themselves up. Stepping out from one building with probably one of the richer door frames in the area and multiple red lanterns on the front, we see a young nobleman. Mark, would you like to give us a, a look at your guy? Sure. As far as anybody knows, his name is Milos Kassarin. Uh Goes by the code name Flint whenever possible. He is, uh, he's, a, he's a local. He's of Akoros uh, descent. His family used to be pretty well-to-do. And there, there was a falling out. He happened to escape it and uh, has been kind of trying to lay low and kind of work below the system. He has uh, kind of dark shoulder-length hair. His clothing is, is pretty fine, a little out of date. You know, he's had to kind of hang on to what he had and, and try to keep it uh, pretty. It's still in pretty good, pretty good order. So uh, he can walk the walk a little bit and he can kind of blend in fairly well with uh, the well-to-do. Awesome. Yes. So Flint, <clears throat> we see you kind of, you know, shrugging your jacket back on, wiping the, uh, the evening's tiredness from your eyes as you strike out across Silk Shore, heading across some bridges, and then back across the uh, Taffeta Bridge, which connects mm. Silk Shore to Crow's Foot. Off to your right, we see this floating town, <laughs> for, for lack of a better term, called Tangletown. Mm -hmm. That is a bunch of boats and detritus and floating bits and floating platforms that all, it all seem to be bridged together and, and caught up together. It looks like some sort of wreckage for those who don't have an idea of what they're looking at. And for, you know, from... Where you came from, from your family, it would have been just kind of overlooked and ignored. But for the world that you've stepped into now, you know that Tangletown is like the one place where differing gangs can meet and communicate and chat about mm -hmm. different things without there being blood. Nice. Yeah, I'm, based on my current status, uh, kind of always scanning, watching opportunities. Uh, like you say, I normally, you know, in the old days, I would have bypassed it but yeah I'd, I'd give it a, a good look and look for things going on at any given time uh, i'm gonna say that you you uh have still a little bit of coin from you know your last job whatever that was and uh okay. you know can get yourself some breakfast aside from the nasty gruel what would uh a nice high-end gentleman like yourself get for food where would you go hmm well heading into crow's foot probably some some opportunities you know i might try and find something little exotic maybe find a nice aruvian place okay um that uh, might have something a little a little different a little uh something with a little bit of spice which is sure. Uh, sure a little hard to find here but you, enjoyable when you, you can spend get the premium for it and you get yourself some lovely um you know spiced mushroom coffee and some mm -hmm. uh, lovely morning doesn't quite feel like eggs of a different mushroom type with a little bit of local river eel Cut up into it and uh it's you know somehow just fried and almost smells like <laughs> bacon if you can remember what bacon smells like nice with that we're gonna have the camera pan back over towards six towers and we pan up an old tower in six towers six towers is like kind of the fallen rich district 
and it is no longer a rich district. It is, is definitely uh, on the lower side of things. Many of the buildings here are crumbling, kind of become some sort of like, you know, uh, makeshift apartments or flop houses or some are even haunted and not, not dealt with, not, not bothered. But your hideout as a gang is down to the south of this district, the very edge, overlooking the night market district. And it is up in a tower, an old watchman's tower? Uh, clock tower, I thought. Clock tower. Yeah, there we go. About, yeah. Does the clock still work? I I don't think so. Because we don't want people looking up at us. So the clock is set at, you know, the 13th hour and, and 13 minutes after. Forever stuck and frozen in that position. A constant reminder of the gloom and the timeless state this constant darkness is. A, a foreboding thing that most people seem to avoid from the outside. But from the inside, we pan through the clock face and we can see inside there is a little bit of light from a couple of candles. And there are the sounds of a gentleman enjoying or not <laughs> his, his morning gruel of some sort of low-light barley and mushroom mash uh, that would kind of constitute like uh, oatmeal, uh, but somehow slimier. Zach, would you like to describe what your character looks like? And yes, here we have known as Stev Skora, better known as Hammer. He is an ex Scovlander sniper from the Unity War, mm. who has uh, come across the sea to seek a bit of. I don't know, refuge, a bit of peace, a bit of just not the fucking war. Definitely a grizzled individual with um, a, a dirty blonde long hair um, and a somewhat thick mid-length beard. You can see uh, tattoos crawling up his neck and down his arms. Often adorned in a thick, warm coat, because it's cold in the dark. It is indeed. Um, but, yeah. Any, any scars that we see on this man? Many. Um, probably many that you can't see, also. Um, sure. Bullet wounds, um, knife cuts, etc., etc. Several adorn the face. For, for the for the audience, the the gruel that you're eating makes a weird, sloppy, gross, moist sound that makes everybody kind of cringe. Yes, I used moist on purpose <laughs> for us, but there's almost a flash of memory where you've had to eat worse things while on campaign, and uh, and this isn't so bad as as a soldier. You can you can deal with quite a lot, and uh, this is definitely not the worst that you put in your mouth. And he will. Possibly happily eat. <laughs> All right. Spread out on the table in front of you are a couple of your implements of your trade. I would say recently probably polished or cleaned and, and prepared. As we hear the door behind you kick open. Not kick open, but it does spring <laughs> open. Your veteran's reflexes probably spring to the forefront. Mark, do you announce yourself when you walk in? Yeah, I, I, I'm sure I'd uh, kind of walk in with a uh, with a friendly hello. Uh, good morning. That stuff smells disgusting. 
I'm imagining as the the mechanism on the door opens, he goes for the closest gun and starts to to train it towards the door before he hears the voice and slowly puts the gun back where it was, probably on the table. Um, I'm I'm gonna assume that since you have a name of Hammer, you have uh you know some particular type of favorite that's usually close by uh, for a gun. Is that a handgun? Is that a long rifle? Is that some sort of weird, you know, steampunk clockwork mechanism? Or is it more of a, a traditional style weapon? I, 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 would, I would think logically that it would, it would be the, the weapon that he used in the war and that he's used for years and years. And I would assume that that is his, his uh, long rifle. Okay. Somehow, um, lifting up with one hand and still holding the bull in the other hand, you prop this rifle at the door, <laughs> still chewing on whatever you've got, not even having to think about how you aim it as it just falls into place like it's part of your arm. And then you see it is your associate and your friend, Flint. Gun lowering. Flint still chewing on some sort of biscuit, if we can call it that, uh, <laughs> from his own breakfast. And uh, and you guys are there in in the hideout. Anything else you want to establish about the hideout? Kind of give us a little flavor uh, or, or of your own interactions before we uh, jump forward to uh, finding out about the job for today. I think one of the things that, you know, one of the features that would, would certainly have would be like a little arrow slit type spy holes to get a good view of the surrounding area. I like um, that. And probably almost as a ritual when. Uh, Flint comes mm-hmm. in, he would start by just circling the place, looking out each hole, getting a, a 360 view of the neighborhood. Nice. As he's gulping down the last bit of his gruel, he'll throw the, the bowl down and go, you know, you don't have to do that every time you get home. I've been here. Uh, but it's such a lovely day. It's so nice to see the, the citizens out there. Enjoying their morning rituals. I know what you're doing. Do you? You're a creature of habit, my friend. Yeah, well. Would Flint like to give a roll to see if you notice anything? Sure. Now, one of the things with the Blades in the Dark system, it's known for being very narrative, and you don't usually just call for rolls for random things. Uh, Usually there's some sort of risk involved. It uses D6s, and it's kind of a banded system where one to three is you fail, and usually something bad happens. Four to five is you succeed, but also something bad happens. And six is you do just fine. Nothing bad happens. If you get multiple sixes, then it's kind of the critical success sort of situation. Based on simplicity of the dice and how there's not a lot of options for what you can roll, there's only 12 skills, basically, that you're usually rolling for, for most of your stuff, unless you're resisting bad things. The player gets to choose what they are rolling. The DM, the narrator, does not call for a roll, you know, like, make a finesse roll for me. No, the, the player can determine what they think would be useful in this situation. I know it's going to take me a second to get used to this, but I will probably love it. Once oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. This is definitely a, a system that fits with our style in this uh, yeah. show. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Survey seems like it's the obvious choice. Survey is not a bad one. I'm kind of feeling like it's almost more of a prowl you know, that kind of pacing lion type of action that he's mm-hmm. taking. Sure. You know, he, he's kind of making sure that their location is still secure type thing. 
So uh, if I could justify Prowl, I think I might go with that. Certainly. That actually kind of changes your scope. Prowl about unseen and traverse obstacles, climb, swim, run, jump, and tumble, ambush with close violence, backstab, throat cut, blackjack, etc. Being that you are trying to observe with Prowl, I'm going to say that you're basically looking for, you know, within a block or less of your tower, the immediate threats. You're not looking out very far. You're just seeing if you were directly followed, if anybody was completely a moron and stumbling over their own feet, getting too close to the, the tower and seeing anything else that yes. looks like it's changed in the immediate proximity as well. That, go to roll. that is exactly correct. Let's go for it. Uh, let's see. Do I have a uh, position for this? Uh, this would be... Uh, blah, blah, blah. What are the positions again? Safe? No. Risky, controlled. Controlled would be, would be the safest. I think controlled. Probably. Yeah, you're not... You're not okay. Yeah, it's not really much of an issue. And then uh, effect is going to be great. Okay. Okay. So that's a three... Uh, you do not take any stress for it. We're not really worried about that. This is just kind of a checking. From what you can tell, everything seems to be generally normal uh, outside okay. your hideout. Even the same, you know, ship passing down the Merchant Way River right to the south of your hideout. A couple of ships in the little docks, people passing on the bridges. Nothing really sticks out to you. Uh, that bridge is a little farther away, but whatever. The same merchants are out every day. It looks like a normal, idyllic day. Great. Okay. I told you, everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to establish about, about where you guys are at or between the two of you? Otherwise, we're going to jump forward. Let's jump. I think I'm ready to jump. Let us jump, then. Okay. As is often the case, Flint, you are the one who found the job for this sort of work. Hammer is, is known for being able to be sneaky and sly, but just doesn't have the connection to the town. As a Scovelander, not long after the Unity War, there are some unfortunate biases with some of the locals against mm. Scovelanders, and somewhat rightly so, and more so rightly so, that Scovelanders don't exactly trust all the locals. There's just tensions. It's, you know, post-war issues. But we are going to scan back to that shop that we saw earlier on. The shop is known as Exotic Goods. That's all that's on the outside. But anybody who knows this seller, whether they're on the right side or the wrong side of the law, knows this man as Sathernon. S-A-I-T-H-E-R-N-O-N. He's known for being a fence for exotic goods. As you walk into the shop, the exotic goods place, you can see his python is wrapped around his neck still. And uh, as he turns, the little jewel on his turban sparkles with a, an interesting purplish-green light. And he, he smiles and nods and greets you like he would any other sort of staff or any not staff, sorry, any other sort of customer, you're not the only one in the shop. He says he'd be with you in just the moment. His his python is just, seems to be enjoying his body heat and just very subdued, except for his eyes. The python's eyes never seem to stop watching you. Mm -hmm. He talks to some other people and, you know, makes a, a quick sale as you guys are browsing the shelves. Inside here, you see a hand in a jar. You see exotic incense from Aruvian lands down south. You see rocks that are from the fortresses of the Severosi that are supposed to also protect against ghosts and, and bad spirits. And just all kinds of weird knickknacks, basically. Some of the more tame things and the things that are going to delight any sort of rich person, basically. Mm -hmm. After the last customers aside from you leave... He walks over to the door and puts up a sign saying, basically, out to lunch. And 
pulls the shade down. And as soon as that happens, he turns around with a disposition that is slightly frustrated. I have told you that we do not come in through the front door. You're supposed to go to my gondola. But it seemed like such a nice day. Haven't seen your your wares in a while here. You've got some new stuff in, haven't you? Hmm. In fact, I do. I forget. You forget what you are now. What house were you from again? And he kind of seems to be peering at you like he's trying to decipher something. Oh, it's very nice. It was a big blue house, had white shutters. It was mm-hmm. very nice. Mm-hmm. I will find out one day. <laughs> well, good. You're here. I have another job for you. This one is uh, in the acquisitions as opposed to information. Hmm. There is an artifact that has been requested from a buyer, and I need for you to find me a special blade flail, often carried by the spirit wardens, particularly those who are assigned to protect the immortal emperor when he is in town. Hmm. There is news that one has been sequestered in a house here in Brightstone, and I would like for you to acquire it without notice. It is what you are good at, yes? Oh, yes. That uh, seems fairly straightforward. Very good. He goes on to explain that the this weapon is a plasmic blade flail. Um, this weapon can slay ghosts and demons. It appears to be some sort of a, a gladius uh, stitched with runes. Um, and that once it is attuned to a proper user, um, it can basically uh, do a few different things, becoming a blade whip uh, or pass other sorts of energies around it, and also reform back into a straight sword. It, it you know, from the description, it kind of reminds you if you guys have seen Pact of the Wolf or The Brotherhood of the Wolf, um, an older movie from the '90s, where it's almost like segmented pieces that look like a really rough, nasty bunch of vertebra that have been formed into a blade and at command it can mm. snap out into some, something something of a whip and then back into a blade um, like yeah like a, a blade whip like uh soul caliber fans there you out go there yeah soul caliber. ivy or yeah, yeah. um yeah the, that style sword love it it's great i love it it's wonderful brotherhood of the wolf uh, i always feel like is a very good seventh c inspiration uh yeah. you know yeah so that's what i was thinking of for some of our audience but yeah options there uh, this is what he tells you about, and you know, he says that it's he it gives you a an estate that, lo and behold, just happens to be in your guys' stomping ground in Brightstone, and says that you know it's probably held in some sort of vault in the underreaches of that of that area. And that is the job you guys have been given. So we're gonna jump into making the encounter roll here, but before we do that, I'm gonna move okay, you here. Quick question, quick question for you. You said this was uh, usually held by uh, spirit wardens. Yes. Got it. Interesting. So spirit wardens, for the uninitiated to this this game in this world, spirit wardens are the ones who uh, come and deal with whenever a body dies. Because in this world and in this setting, you have a short period of time to deal with the dead before the dead return. Uh, all of the cities in this world, generally, are surrounded by an electro fence that is run on the Leviathan blood and is basically an electric fence powered to keep the dead away because 
the gates of death have been destroyed, and so therefore the dead do not stay dead unless they are completely dissolved in basically etheric goo or, or ectoplasmic goo. Spirit wardens, uh, whenever somebody dies in town, bells go off throughout the town, and spirit seeker crows go out from the spirit wardens and find where that dead person is, and the spirit wardens come soon after. So, you know, you can get some unwanted attention from the powers that be if you kill someone uh, very quickly. And the spirit wardens themselves are the ones tasked with dealing with the dead and, and making sure they're taken care of properly. So they are not to be trifled with. They also are kind of a faceless guard in some ways. They have terrifying masks that I almost picture like, uh, like, like Dr. Masks and usually are faceless. You don't know who each one is. They are just spirit wardens and you don't mess with them good to know okay. you have yeah. other questions do we have a name of who lives in the estate yes so we should totally have a name <laughs> <laughs> the person that you have or the head of the house is known as akane a-k-a-n-e she is a dagger islander so read here kind of asian descent as much as there there are our modern um, ethnicities in this world, known for having uh, exotic tastes and to be someone who, who likes to collect. She is on the one of the houses on the Heliotropin Lane, kind of in the center of Goldcrest of Brightstone. It is known as the Sunset House, being that it is has always been upkept in a kind of golden orange paint scheme on the trim. And it's a fairly nice manner, probably three or four stories above ground, assumed to be some below. So we're moving into this is a heist sort of game. And so with that structure, we don't actually plan anything <laughs> unlike you would see with a heist. It's more about getting into the action. Yeah, we'll do it live. There, yep. There's a montage of stuff that just happened. And then, yeah. And, and, and as things come up that are too much of a, a pain or are too difficult, we flash back to when you had better planning and how everything worked out perfectly. With that, let me pull up my sheet for getting into scores. Here we go. So when you're entering a score, we have an engagement role we're going to do to basically see how well you guys started out. Common score types, uh, this is going to be falling right into that because this is an acquisition of stuff. But you choose how you're going to deal with acquiring it. It's not always going to make sense that you do stealth. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, so there are a few different types for your plan. You have assault, which is do violence to a target. Deception, which is lure, trick, or manipulate. Stealth, which is trespass unseen. Occult, which is engage a supernatural force to help you out. Social, which is negotiate, bargain, or persuade. And transport, which is carrying cargo or people through danger. Transport seems a little difficult in this one, but everything else definitely is a possibility. So choose your plan. Which one of those? Is your okay. is you guys' focus? Stealth def definitely seems obvious. Absolutely. Deception is one I was kind of thinking of. I kind of placed some of my strengths. I was tr trying to think if we could uh, create some sort of deception that lures everybody out of the house, so we had free reign to to get yeah. in. Yeah. So the other thing to think about for all of these is is the detail that goes with it. This is the other thing that you decide mm -hmm. is when you choose a plan, you choose your detail. So with like the deception, what is the method of deception that would get that end result? With stealth, exactly. where do you infiltrate? You know, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. So those, those are things that help too because the how matters a little bit. Right. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, Hammer, what are, what, how are you leaning here? What are your thoughts? My thoughts... My strengths are more and less of the hunting, surveying kind of thing. Also have an animal companion, possibly. Mm-hmm. Stealth is always a good one. But stealth runs into the possibility of we get in there and there's still a bunch of people. So I, I also think the deception might and be a good trick. Any approach has the potential of, of going bad. Right. So, does. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think it, you know, it focus probably more on playing to our strengths. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, the, maybe, maybe we just want to stick with stealth and, uh, you know, Stick to the classics. We'll go from there. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, let's try Let's try it. Okay, so when you're doing a score, you're going to have an engagement roll. And this is mm-hmm. in a hunting ground that you are familiar with, so that helps as mm-hmm. well. Preferred hunting ground uh, often gives you downtime activity contributing to uh, the hunting ground score, or plus one die on gathering information contributing to the hunting ground score. I don't really want to take a lot of detail on that, so I might just give you like one free flashback, I think. Okay. Situation. Okay. Perfect. For your loadout, you need to choose right now whether you are light, normal, or heavy, or theoretically encumbered. Encumbered doesn't work because you are overburdened and can't do anything except move slowly, which really sucks. So, uh, light, normal, or heavy are what you're choosing. Which, unless you have something that changes this, which certain um, playbooks do. Light is your fast, less conspicuous blend in with citizens. You look like a normal citizen with just a few things up your sleeves. Normal is you look a little bit more scoundrelly. You got like a heavy jacket. You're kind of ready for trouble. You might be showing a weapon or something like that. Heavy is you look like you've got your tactical gear on. You got your SWAT gear going Mm -hmm. and you are ready for war. For a stealth mission, it might be good to stick for light or normal. Yeah, I'm thinking normal for this. If we were going deception, I would go light because I'd be front and center but uh right our goal is to be unseen you know stick uh, i think i might stick with normal okay normal yeah um, perfect. i think similar uh on your character sheet just mark what you are doing the very top where it says mm-hmm. load which be normal yep. the other thing we got to decide is our point of infiltration how are yeah, we, we sneaking in how or where did you know did they did they say it was in the basement he did say that he believes it's in there the the basement okay. uh because it would be a okay. dangerous thing to be seen on display you know, so this person's not going to put it on like a, a stand in the middle of their house. Right. Okay. Logical is since it's in the basement, we should infiltrate first floor. Because if we infiltrate a higher level, we have to travel farther to, you know, to get to where we're going. Unless we want to try to maybe access it through the sewers or something. Mm. Ooh. Come, come in from below. That is an option. Definitely. That takes out a lot of our visual, like getting information. We just go, we're going in blind and we're going through the sewers and what, what we, where we come out is where we come out kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you could already spend your first flashback now if you wanted to have found a plan, a route in, and use that as some of your time to like, you know, basically map out where you're going. 
Um, instead, like of it, instead of it being like, a, I'm just going in the sewers and hoping I find out, I find myself in this house. You would, you know, probably have researched that a little bit. That's fair. I'm trying to look yeah. at our, uh, look at our faction, look at our friends and factions here. Ooh, um, good call. So we're friends with the grinders. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, there are no faction notes uh, automatically inserted in the sheet, but no. let me pull it up here for you real quick. Yeah, they're the uh, former Dockers and Leviathan Blood Refinery workers. Yes, vicious game of former Dockers. Yep, correct. They if aren't in this tradesmen area, but yeah, they uh, they could help because you know being previous Dockers and stuff like that, they might have access to some boats that get you you know some sort of uh, waterway entrance to canals underneath. That's a possibility. Yeah. Or our uh, contact, uh, Adelaine Froig, is uh, a noble who may uh, who may have a, may have some knowledge of the Sunset House as well. That's a good one. So that might be the route I take is to go talk to our old friend uh, Adelaide. Adelaide, Let's see what is known. Sounds good. Do you want to use that for your own kind of background thing? Um, basically like a, a planning action? Yeah, yeah, okay. that'd be part of my planning. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so I think we've got kind of a, a plan for, for all of this. One of you is talking to the grinders to get like access through the, the canals maybe, and the other is talking to a noble. Mm -hmm. See what we can find out. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so I'll so probably I'll... be focusing more on a layout of the house. Sure. And uh, you can work on... on getting getting the approach to the house if that makes sense yeah i'll talk with the grinders and get that that squared and find us a a good solid way in okay so for our engagement roll it's one die for your base fortune roll i'm gonna give you plus one die because this is particularly bold or daring that's two you have found a weakness or vulnerability to the target by finding your way in to the sewers. So that's going to be three dice. And you are talking to a friend, which we will talk about here in just a second. You might even just use her as a, an easy flashback point to gain some insight and some help there. So that's four bonus dice. However, however, there are disadvantages. So target mm -hmm. is strong against this approach or have particular defenses or preparations. Yeah, there might be something there. So they're going to be three dice. Okay. Target is also a higher tier and the district modifiers because this is a risky place to be in okay so you are down to okay. one die for your engagement roll okay awesome <laughs> there was a one this one it went from four and a one really quick that's okay it didn't go to yep. negative you know <laughs> it's the way it's the way it works hey, that's okay uh so one of you all can roll the uh engagement by going to the crew sheet and click in engagement roll engagement Ooh, ooh, I want to do it. I Go for it. it. Okay, crew sheet. And it's down below all the layer upgrades. Mm -hmm. Middle right, above notes. Roll the gauge red. One. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, rolled a, I rolled a six, everybody. I rolled Best a six. possible result. Well, best possible that nice. you could get with your situation there. You couldn't quite get a critical. But that's true. You are coming into this with a controlled position when the action starts. 
Why that matters is because that affects basically all the roles that you do throughout this. If you'd gotten a four or five, that'd be risky. And if you'd gotten less than that, you would have been in a desperate position. The sad thing is that only desperate roles really add up to getting you XP, mm -hmm. but you're also more likely to succeed and therefore have less bad things happen. So right. that's cool. Right. Good, good trade-off. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah it's I'm, good. I'm fine with that. It's a good mix. Pros and cons. Um, so with that, I would like a little flash of what our roguish face, Flint, is talking to <laughs> uh, your contact about, Adelaide. How does that conversation go? Probably invite her out for, uh, for tea somewhere and uh, get her talking. Now, she's a contact, so I'm assuming she, she knows about us. She knows what we do. Uh, yes, but she refers to you only as Master Kesserin. She's, of course, always a light, you know, of stature. course. So, uh, have you had any uh, dealings with uh, at the Sunset House? Have they uh, had any soirees that you may have been, uh, that you may have attended? Dealings, yes, it is such a bore. Master Kesserin, I would assume that you would have better tastes than to hang around with that at Dagger Islander, but <laughs> since you ask so nicely, and she winks and takes a sip of her tea, clearing her throat, there have been some dealings. It seems to be that she has four or five pedestals that seem to swap out items, and from what I could tell, uh, having arrived at one soiree a little early, you ought to be careful on how you access the pedestals. Uh, not only is there a visible deterrent next to the item, but where you step seems to matter. Ah. Interesting. That is indeed good to know. Hmm. You think we can get some more biscuits? Oh. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and we fade away from this later. lovely tea that you're having there. And yes. uh, you have some knowledge. We fade from your finery and your nice coat and the, the you know, lovely, warm, you know, lit, dark exterior <laughs> or dark interior of this tea house to the dark, semi-lit, from whatever lantern you are holding, wet, drippy, moist caveway uh, <laughs> that is the uh, tunnels underneath Brightstone. Uh, you probably came in next to the Centralia Club and then took a... Uh, some sort of canal off of this little, I guess it's the Rosewater Canal, uh, and took that under towards, you know, underground. So you've basically been going for four or five blocks. You get about three blocks in before the grinder uh, that was helping you out, one of the grinder gangmen on his boat says, that is where I go. You get off from here. Gives you a nod towards a direction that is a locked door. As soon as you step off onto the uh, bank, for lack of a better word, but basically like the sidewalk that is next to the water, somewhat slamified and gross in a dark environment uh, like this. And in a dark world, yes, scumboo does grow quite easily. So, watching your steps there to not fall into the poo water, uh, you find this door is somewhat rusted and the lock is, is uh, in place. It itself is also rusted because it's not usually opened too often. Basically, as soon as your feet touch the, the pavement, he's already gone and pulling away. Mm. And within, you know, 30 seconds, you cannot see him anywhere in the tunnel way that you're in. Hmm. So, first hurdle. We have a lock. How are you going to deal Next with this lock? Next time we have a lock. 
Next time we are taking a much more dignified approach. <laughs> Obviously, Flint is very disgusted at this. this uh, is he Akarosi or is he Montaigne? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have a lock. Let's see. I I want to kind of take a look at, at the door and and the lock and see any other possible weaknesses to the door other than just going for the lock itself. Okay. As you are trying to inspect the lock, what would you do? What would you use to, to do that, to, to inspect it, to try and... Are you, are you asking mechanically yep. as far as a, a role or an item, or what do you, what do you think? Yeah, if you want to spend an item to try and get past it, that's fine, or you can try and roll uh, one of your, your skills and get it past it that way. I was mostly looking for some sort of, uh, you know, a role that would fit. Okay, cool. And then I would, I would say uh, strategically wait to use your items and your stress when it fails, <laughs> when things go bad. You could always spend it beforehand if sense. you really want to make sure, but like you only have so many. Right, exactly. Yeah. Good enough. Cool. So I'll probably, I'll probably see if I can use survey to get a really close look at uh, the hinges on the door and um, parts parts of this, you say, very rusted door that doesn't seem to have been opened in a while, see if there's a, a way that we can either brute force it or find something, use some leverage to, to pry it open, see if it's weak or if we, we should go for the lock itself. Beautiful. Well, as we said before, you're in a controlled position here, and you haven't really tripped off any sort of issues or problems, so uh, I would say you're in a controlled with standard effect for your Wonderful. role. How do, how do we add dice in this again? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So you can take stress to add an additional die, or you can do what's called a devil's bargain. So taking stress is called pushing yourself. You're, you would take two stress, and you get a, a bonus die to the role. Devil's bargain would be something where... What's the devil's bargain I can gain in this to have some sort of edge here? A little bit harder in this sort of a role than, like, let's say a social role, but there's definitely possibilities for okay. a devil's bargain um, if you want to take one. Or you can just roll it. You know what? I'm, I'm just going to roll it, okay. and we'll see. And then I'll just kind of gauge uh, how I need to, to use stuff like this. So we'll just go with a straight old roll, no bonus dice. And uh, go for that. I got a six. Okay. You go. And you've got two in this. So six is uh, a good effect with no negatives. As you are surveying this rusty, nasty looking door, you realize that there are a couple of other basically outlines of footprints in the scum. And mm. is one particular rock that looks a little less dusty than the rest. And you push said rock and the door slides it flips open the whole door frame. Actually, the lock doesn't <laughs> unlock. It all just stays together as one unit, and you get nice. in past the door, no problem. Excellent. They thought I, I was stupid. They thought I was stupid. <laughs> honestly. Yeah, I'm gonna like like kick off a uh, rat or something that's been trying to follow us. <laughs> Spoosh! Flip inside. <laughs> Yeah, but before Hammer goes through the door, he'll 
swipe his boots on the stone, like scrape his boots on the stone <laughs> to get residual scum off. Nice. Uh, before entering. Like it. Okay, you slide on in. We find ourselves in a, maybe we probably three or four steps past the doorway. It becomes a upward grading slope that gets dry and kind of almost, not musty, but a very dusty, dry, cloying sort of uh, smell almost catches you in, in your throat. Mm. It is untouched and it is unweathered in this area. You uh, head up this sloping angle and it starts to corkscrew a little bit and you get about maybe two rotations before you head into another open room and there are three different exits out of this room which way are you going left right or center you're the hunter which one looks most traveled uh, that's a good question they all look like they're traveled would a hunt roll help me in this specific situation sure gather information about the location and movements yeah i like it uh, still controlled? Uh, you're still controlled, yep. And standard and effect? Standard. Yep. You know what, here we go. Two fives. Hmm. Two fives, okay. So, with do, a... Do I get a, a bonus? Is there the same? I get rolled <laughs> the same thing, I get better, right? Uh, yeah, doubles, unfortunately, <laughs> does not do anything too special. It should, though. Be kind Unless of they're sexes. Unless they're this sexes. Is, this, is broken, this is broken compass, right? We're rolling rolling pairs and and triples. Broken golden. So now with this in a control position, you can either withdraw from this approach or you can succeed with a minor consequence is kind of how it it breaks down. So minor consequences can be something like, "Mm, you didn't notice a tripwire that sets off an alarm or you take some strain or or hit a trap or whatever else not. Something like that. Something that starts to, to basically unravel your plan a little bit of course withdrawing at this point seems a little silly when you've been basically just easing your way on through we, but we you went could. through a door and went up went up here it's like oh, oh well I don't, we don't know we're gonna go back no i'll i'll, I'll push we'll, we'll go forward okay with Perfect. a minor consequence minor consequence in this situation here i am going to start us on a clock mm-hmm. in this system there are basically clocks for uh for progress on everything whether that's i'm trying to build something or i'm trying to get somewhere or something bad is happening and so i'm going to start this clock and i'm going to say the clock's name is discovered and since you're still in a controlled position you are going to only have one face on that clock ticked as things go along you might tick this clock more and more as other things start to to set off those who might be wanting to catch you basically you know getting discovered in a bad situation so we have the discovered clock is started it is a six-part clock and one of those six parts has been has been ticked what happens narratively is as you're heading down the way you're pretty sure you know which one to go on and you've been thinking about it hard enough that you were just kind of uncertain about what you wanted you know, you were basically, it was like taking so much mental fortitude that you're like, I think it's this one. Oh, maybe it's, uh, mm. and then when you made that decision and you started going, you forgot the basics of checking your feet and you hit a little tripwire mm-hmm. of some form um, that set off a small belt. You're able to stop it real quick and it just seemed localized. But mm. that, that is now disturbed and it's going to take time to reset that up. 
to make it look like nobody's been there, and you're not sure if anybody heard that. So we have one panel on this discover clock. We get to all six panels clicked, but the gig is up, and you have been discovered, and things get worse. Mm-hmm. Understandable. All right. Uh, we'll keep going. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll reset up the, uh, the tripwire trap and uh, get it going. Okay. You find yourselves to another tunnel and heads to a tight spiral staircase that ends at a, I mean, like two twists, maybe a tight, small spiral staircase that ends in a panel, like a manhole cover, but not as heavy. You can see just the barest light flickering through on the other side through one of the holes in this steel covering. How would you like to deal with this next blockage? Well, first thing I would do is definitely uh, take a good listen to see if there's any, see if you hear anything on the other side, and then right. peek in. Let's do that. I like that. Just because you know you guys have been rolling perfectly, let's keep the rolls going. Let's see. Let's see how long we can keep this going. <laughs> uh, but uh, Hammer's been doing all the rolls. So Flint, how would you like to approach listening and and sussing out as best you can the other side of this? This. Oh, definitely sticking with the prowl on this because you mm. know, just just keeping very defensive. Okay, keeping keeping the the whole sneaky approach. I like it. I like uh, it. Thing going here. So, uh, <clears throat> so with that, um, still controlled. Uh, we're still controlled. Okay, uh, still standard effect. Okay, what would a devil's bargain look like in this situation? Hmm. I think my first thought for a devil's bargain is basically we're going to scan back to your conversation with Adelaide and you were asking some other details and and she basically said it'll cost you. And so the devil's bargain would be you would have to spend one of your downtime actions with her, but I will give you two dice. Ooh, mm. I like that. I'll take it. I'll take that. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. So I get two bonus dice. Two bonus dice, yep. Great. Oh. Wah, 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 wah. get the critical success. Oh, my goodness. Y'all are just smoking it. Apparently. Uh, yeah. Okay, so with controlled critical success, critical is the same in every version. You rolled a six, six, and a five. That's how you get a critical is two sixes or more in mm-hmm. your roll. With a control position, you have increased effect. So not only do you do what you're hoping to do, which is find out if there's anything on the other side of it and then move in, but you are able to have increased effect. You don't hear anybody on the other side of this doorway. The slight flickering of a basically old-style electrical lantern is what's going mm. down, going on down here. What we would modern times think of as old-style electrical. Basically, the current of electricity is making that warm, warm, you know, snappy, poppy, mm. vibrating sound. Yeah. Uh, and that's all you can hear on the other side. And as you go to lift the lid up, you realize that there is yet another tripwire over the top of the grating. And you just are able to catch the lid, not push too far, and kind of snip the line so it doesn't hold the mechanism and, and set it off. And then uh, slide the uh, right. the opening open, and the lid off to the side, and climb out. It seemed to be some sort of gas spore canister. Who knows? Something that would spray in the area. Mm. Uh, but you didn't set mm. it off, so yay! Nice, nice. Okay, wonderful. Slide the lid to the side. Climb out. 
motion for uh, Hammer to follow. I'm coming, I'm coming. Okay, perfect. As you guys get up in there, it's just a, it looks like a more of the sewer area that you're in, except for all the stonework is completely different. And it's more like a rich person's view of what like a sewer or a cellar should look like. It's got nice arched roofs and nice stonework. And there are a couple different uh, tunnels going off. This is the only where area that seems to be lit. There is one set of stairs going up, which you're pretty certain leads to, there's a closed door at the end of the stairs, you can see, pretty sure that leads to like the house itself. There's a couple of hallways off, left and right, and those are not lit. And the lantern here is kind of that dull orangey yellow sort of a coloration. Hmm. Which way do you want to go? What's your nose telling you? (laughs) That way. Okay. So Uh, we go that way. It is a dark hallway leading away. And yes, I'm just going with whatever you chose is where we're going. So it's fine. Uh, That way works. Yeah, yeah, go. Um, I'm perfect. I'm perfect. I'm perfect with that. uh, With the darkness, it's hard to see where you're going. How are you going to deal with that? That's the the trip up here. You've had a lantern with you and you know it's dark. Are you going to light up that lantern here uh, as well? Or are you going to try and just feel your way along? You know, since you are closer to the house and closer to where other issues might be. So, uh, like, wh- where are we located? A uh, basement. Like, wh- of the house. Uh, basement of the house. There. The, oh, did you ping? Did you ping? I'm so sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah. You're uh, the uh, heliotropin lane is where. There. Yeah. Do we? Are we in the building we need to be? Yep. This is this is <clears throat> what you know you're supposed to be in. You didn't know about the different locks and and issues, but. This is the path that you know you're supposed to be in. This is the basement. Uh, you know that the house itself has a layout that roughly looks like this uh, as far as the basement levels. Um, so you are where you're supposed to be. Now, I have a question on like the, the equipment things on the boxes yeah, down yeah. here. It says arcane implements. Is that like mm. a magic thing? Uh, is that just the fancy words for a magic thing? Arcane implements... Actually, on those ones, it has the description listed. If oh, you it does. Expand. Okay. So in this situation, it's a vial of quicksilver, a pouch of black salt, a spirit anchor in the form of a small stone, a spirit bottle, a vial of ectoplasm designed uh, to break and splatter on impact. Basically, it would be an item that you can use probably in conjunction with some sort of a tune roll to deal with some ghost, demon, spirit, gross thing, whatever else not, or arcane cool. working. Awesome. Good to know. Cool. Thank you. I just uh, saw that and I was like, I don't know know what that is. I don't know. Is there, is there like a way we could like fashion a sort of hood on the lantern to kind of spotlight us to bring the amount of light that we're producing down yet still giving us visibility? Yeah, I'm cool with that. I think even using the lantern, you, you kind of decide what type of lantern it would be, whether it's oil lantern or ectoplasmic lantern or whatever else. And I would say that you probably already have okay. a hood on it. Uh, I'm good with that. Yeah. Um, but cool. <clears throat> you're, you're using that here. So you have some light. Yeah. And I you know, try not to be as conspicuous as, uh, <laughs> as having a big full light in, on in here. Sure, 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 sure. Conspicuous. As inconspicuous as possible. As inconspicuous right, as way. possible. Now I would like a roll. Um, now I like a roll. Yes. Lantern helps. That's good. But I would like um, to know how I, you were heading down this hallway. Said lantern is that like we're using that? Uh, yeah. Let's do that. 
I will probably use a, a hunt roll in order to uh, to use some of those uh, previous tactics and military skills in actual war combat to um, to stay hidden yet still stay observant. Okay. Being that you're um, using so the lantern, I'm also going to give you a bonus die on this roll for the lantern helping out. However, uh, this is going to be a risky situation. There is something tickling the back of your neck as far as a possible threat. You're not really sure what that would be just yet. We'll find out. Another thing you can do with your die rolls is you can trade position to, to gain bonuses. So <clears throat> trying to find where that's at. And Mark, please correct me if I'm wrong in this or not. But basically, if you want to downgrade your position from risky to desperate, you would increase either the effect, which matters if you're working on some sort of clock, uh, which is kind of like increasing you know, potency or, or, or scale or effect on things. Yeah, if you, if you do things more riskily, you might, you might get more effect. Yeah, or, more, more happenstance from it. Or, or if you want to do things more cautiously for, for less effect, you could yep. do that either way. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. So, so I can kind of... Okay. Right okay. now it's a risky with a standard effect. If you wanted to have a great effect, you could become desperate. If you wanted to have, you know, limited effect, uh, but be controlled, possibly less, you know, mm. bad things happening. Who knows? You can also get teamwork. You know, people can, can help you out, but they have to mm -hmm. usually send, spend stress to help you out with, you know, okay. what it is that you're doing. Correct. Good to know. I think, ooh, do we want to just go for, uh, um, let me see. So I would, so because we're at risky, mm -hmm. does that prevents us from progressing because it's risky? Nope. You no? can still progress, okay. whether it's risky or desperate. So like if you roll a four or five on risky, you do it, but you suffer a consequence as opposed to a minor consequence. Case in point. Mm. The way I've seen it, and, and again, yep. Logan, correct me if this is wrong, but I've always kind of thought as the position is how bad is something if you fail? Yes. Whereas the effect is how good is it if you succeed? Yes, that's a great way to think of it. If that, yep. if that makes sense. Mm. Okay. Okay. What do you think? Would it be smart to pull back a little bit and be a little more careful in this situation? You know what? I have uh, an ability called uh, Foresight. Two times per score, you can assist a teammate without paying stress. Ooh. So in this case, I am going to kind of instruct you of some of the things that uh, Lady Adelt, Ad, Ad, Adelia told me, uh, Lady Adelaide told me about the place to give you a little bit more information on where you're going, what you're doing. And uh, so that would essentially work as a teamwork give you an extra die without you having to spend stress. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, okay. You think I should stick with risky? Sure. Yeah. Let's go risky. Uh, what effect? Uh, it's going to be standard effect, mm -hmm. standard effect and one bonus die from the lantern and one bonus die from my buddy Flint. Yep. Makes two bonus die for me. 
Ooh, that was close. There's a six. Three, that was one, close. three, one, six. One. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whew, I got, got a six in there, so that's okay. You, All counts. You do it. You, you uh, succeed, and you don't succeed in a bad way. You don't have any consequence with this, which is good, because as you are watching out for maybe some of the, the um, places to step from what Adelaide had said before and, and what what tells you about uh, the house, your feet brush against something somewhat spongy slash uh, chitiny, and you start to bring the lantern down to look at what this is, and a distinctive smell hits you, and you remember there's a type of mushroom that sometimes is cultivated in places for security known as a keen shroom. It's a fist-sized mushroom that lets out a keening wail when light comes within about 30 feet of it. Oh, shit. And so you quickly move your lantern up towards the ceiling and realize, okay, mm-hmm. cool, as long as I don't bring it down and there isn't any sort of, you know, with this, this hooded focus, uh, it shouldn't make any noise. Uh, but there are a lot of these mushrooms around the edges, so it would take a lot to try and destroy them or remove them. And you're not entirely mm-hmm. sure if there's anything weird about, you know, their smell or if they're, you know, at all hazardous, but you know they make a horrible wailing sound if light touches them. Ooh. Good catch. Nice. Alrighty. Um, yeah, I'll lift that lantern and keep a sauna moving. All right. Watch my footing as I go, and uh, and we'll push, push forward. Uh, you push forward and kind of around a corner, and there's an open room, and there is a pedestal, and on that pedestal is in the soft, I would say, glow of some sort of reflection. It looks like some sort of mirror-reflected moonlight. A segmented blade propped up on this, this uh, pillar. Mm. How would you like to deal with getting it? What would you like to do? Okay. Once again, I'm going to remind him that we were told about uh, There's watching like the where vis- you... The yeah. visual thing, yeah. Watching where you step. And there were... And she said there was something, there was a visual deterrent, deterrent. I think is how she, what, how she, Logan said it. Right. Basically a, an obvious security measure and a subtle security measure. That's kind of how she described it. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, and I'm actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this a little bit clearer on this situation here. I'm going to start a four stage clock that is retrieve the item. Basically, okay. we're looking for a certain number of successes, which four isn't that much. And when we can get that, then you can get the item. We are hoping to get the item before you set off the alarm, which shouldn't be too hard. Gotcha. I'd hope so. Okay. I'm, I'm going to ask you, is this a specific thing, the the little time wheels thing? Is this a you thing, or is this like a Blades in the Dark thing? Uh, so I really like using Roll20 for Blades in the Dark, the compendium uh, that they have mm-hmm. integrated. And the one thing the compendium lacks, though, uh, it has everything else. It has a great character sheet. Character sheet is well described, but they don't really have great clocks except for what's on the character sheet. And I like something I can put out. So uh, in the marketplace, uh, people have different prepared items. And so this is a, uh, it's a, a clock item. That you yeah. brought in. Yeah. So basically, yeah, it's a rollable token it. that has blank one, two, three, four, and, you know, cleaved or whatever else not uh, on there. So I can just right click on it and choose what side or choose a random side. For um, for marking our progress, they look yeah. cool as hell. I like them. A lot I of need, fun. I need that. Yeah. 
I need that for all of my other games that I run. Yes. Seriously, yeah. but yeah, but yes, <laughs> Clocks is a Blades in the Dark mechanic. Clocks right. is yeah, is, a, actual... is a is uh, a Forged in the Dark. Any of those, you know, sorts of games. Yeah, um, everything related to that. I'll show you my my Clocks page here. Basically, just taking copy and paste. You know what Beautiful. Clocks I have. So, oh, nice, wonderful. Yeah, that's Very wonderful. It's a cool that's asset. Great. I love it. I love it. Okay. I'm gonna steal it. Back to right, so. <laughs> Please do. Okay, so retrieve we'll item is the clock. So we're looking at, you know, a couple of rolls from each here, probably. The effect here is going to be risky. If you guys had not come into this controlled, it would be desperate. Okay, but you already come into this okay. in a good position, so it's only going to be risky. You can trade this to be a desperate roll to increase your effect. Your effect right now mm -hmm. is limited, meaning it only mark one, basically, hemisphere on the clock itself. It's only one position. Uh, for each right. success, okay. Obviously, critical okay. success is more effect. If you if you you know have limited success, you have it, but you have strain or stress or issues or whatever else. Not. How are you going to approach right. getting this item off of the pillar that is shining in the moonlight? Is it is it covered? It is not covered. I am thinking of you know for one thing, uh, perhaps using some climbing gear to kind of Tom Cruise into this thing. Ooh. So we avoid the uh, where we step issue. Nice. Um, okay. But there's there appears to be something supposedly something else in addition to the floor. I'm assuming it's the light. Hmm. Okay. Well, because if it's uncovered, there's. Is there anything like hanging around it or attached to it or as you can see from the edge of the room? And the only thing that's on or near it is light, correct? That's what you can see. Okay. There's gotta be the light. Oh. Or something I don't know. I don't know this world. Invisible stuff? Is that a possibility? I don't know. There's Very... always spooky shit. Okay. Yeah. Ghosts are coming. <clears throat> um so but if, do we need like a you know, mirror or something that's going to reflect the light back so that the so that the trap thinks that it, this thing is still reflecting light even after we we remove it. Mm -hmm. um, could that? Well, be I didn't thing? bring my mirror with me today, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, so the um, but the but the way it looks right now is that the the blade itself is reflecting light or uh since you ask yeah uh there looks to be parts of the blade itself are reflecting light it itself is duller than most steel should be but there is a extra shiny spot right at the hilt uh, where the cross guard and blade are meeting it almost looks like maybe it's gem or a disc or something that that reflects light specifically gotcha but we can't see the source of the light Mm, it's up above, and I would say it's yeah out of your view. Yeah, it's you can tell it's reflecting from a couple points, but you're not really sure where it comes from. Is there any way to sense if there's a an, a mystical arcane slash spirit sense? Yeah, you can attune to the ghost. <laughs> Sorry, field. excuse me, I had to sneeze. <laughs> you got you can attune to the, uh -huh. the ghost field is what it's called. So the attune under resolve uh, skill is attuning to spirits in the ghost field. Channel electroplasmic energy, perceive and communicate with ghosts and understanding spectrology. That's a common way to do it. Basically, humanity has a certain 
supernatural feeling towards shit that goes on. You know, like you can just feel when a ghost enters mm-hmm. the room, sort of thing. So you can basically take a moment to try and like relax and focus in the ghost field. Uh, what things you heard other, you know, <clears throat> spooky people say about, you know, listening to the spirits that are around that are never leaving us mm. and see if you mm-hmm. can gain an edge or feel if there's something here. But if you wanted to Good use an awesome. arcane implement to help focus, that's a different situation. I'm, I might because I don't have any points in a tune. So I will do that real quick. Here. I'm going to say that this is desperate. Uh, so you can either use uh, the, the arcane implement to change it to risky or to give you a bonus die. And the, bo- the joy of a desperate roll is if you look down to your mark XP section, every time you roll a desperate action, mark XP in that action's attribute. So if you make this as a desperate roll on a tune, you would mark an XP next to resolve. Hmm. Okay, cool. It's a cool way to gain extra, you know? Yeah, so I'll I'll probably still still keep it at, at risky then. Uh and grab that, that bonus die. Okay. So you are yeah, you're not gonna do desperate, you're gonna do risky. So so you can either do it as risky and you have no bonus die. Oh, or you keep desperate. it as desperate okay. gotcha, gotcha, and you gotcha. have the bonus die. I thought you said this was desperate. This is desperate. So you're either using the arcane implement to yeah, improve keep, its oh, difficulty yeah, or yeah, gain yeah, it up. Never mind. Or I will keep position. it at, at desperate. Okay. I will keep it at desperate. Cool. And gain the bonus die. There we so go. with one bonus die on a tune, that makes it a single die that you're rolling. Unless you want to push yourself or ask for a devil's bargain. What would a, what would a, what would a devil's bargain look like in this situation? Mm, what would a devil's bargain look like? That's a good question. Let's see if the devil's bargain deck helps at all. <laughs> yes. You can reach out and get help, basically, as there is someone who is listening. I will start a six-part clock labeled the Crossroads Demon. Okay. And add a one tick on it. Basically, if you would like that extra help for the Devil's Bargain, you'll get an extra bonus die. But you are making something interested in you. And a deal is coming. Why don't I play the same characters over and over? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm taking two bonus die, motherfuckers. All right. uh, So with that, ooh, ooh, I reroll. Okay, so I would like you to start a clock on your uh, on yourself. So down where you had your notes written on the bottom of your sheet, there's a place that says Mm. clocks. And if you click the plus and do a six part clock, and then put the label Crossroads Demon. Then we mark one mark on there. Okay. Yeah. So, with a desperate roll, I make sure you mark that experience fail. point next to resolve. Next to resolve. Wonderful. Yep. Cool. Uh, Thanks. And unfortunately, with a desperate position, a serious uh, complication has arose. Uh, you did attune to the ghost field. In fact, you pissed it off. The ghost, not the ghost field. There is, as you see, wisping around the blade. Uh, it's not just the light. There is a very pissed off spirit of some form that has an avian looking face to it, a long stretched out beak and the ripped tatters of some sort of robe or cloak or jacket that almost make it look like it has wings, but it's definitely a humanoid sort of form. But at least in the upper body, the arms having this tattered jacket, tattered cloak draping off of it, and this avian-looking face kind of whipping around, and it's a long beak. 
not moving, not speaking, but a a now a low keening. What did you do? I, I, I was just trying to see if any anything was here. Yeah, there's and that. I, I, I got my answer. I did what I did. So not only do you know that the blade is somewhat possessed or haunted, dangerous as it were, but it is aware of you. Right. Also, when you look over at him, Flint, you can see mm-hmm. that there is something of a flickering shadow. His shadow is not the same as it normally would be. You know, from the light in the room, the shadow should be extending behind him, and the shadow is actually in front of him and trying to pull away. Hmm. I will uh, kind of step out of the shadow, making sure I'm not stepping in it. Sure, sure. And, uh, Say, I think we have to. I think we gotta get this thing and get out of here. <sighs> right. And because it's a fail, we're going to mark one more on the discovered. By the way, makes sense. That's fine. Actually, it would be two because it was a it was a fail, not a succeed with complications. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> Alrighty. What's Flint got? Okay. So if I do the uh, climbing thing over to that thing, can you distract this thing somehow? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's already pissed at me, so. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Okay. So I'm going to start. I assume is there some sort of like rafters or something that I could uh, rig up. Uh, rig a line to that I can use to uh, climb up and swing down on this thing. I like that to be a risk. I feel uh, like if you succeed, that's going to make it pretty simple. Uh, so you need to be able to find a place that you can attach your climbing gear to. Uh, you can climb up the side of the wall. There are some like handholds and stuff like that, but specifically something to help you repel or, or swing down over it. You're looking for some sort of hook Perfect. or rope or, you know, loop or like I said, rafters that you can do that. And so being okay. that I'd already said, we can't quite see where the light is coming from. You need to be able to find, what you can see up above the glow of this and you have to climb, okay. up, climb up the wall. So that's going to be somewhat of a risk on its own. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, that sounds kind of like a finesse roll. Okay. And uh, I am going to check off uh, climbing gear, which okay. is actually a two box. So that takes up two of my load. Interesting. So finesse specifically talks about finessing an item from someone's pocket, employing subtle misdirection or sleight of hand, mm. handle a vehicle or a mount. Most people would think of this as being like prowl or whatnot for the sake of climbing, specifically climbing. But finesse, you're choosing this as your focus. So how how do small hand gestures and how how does a, a, a light touch approach as opposed to a climbing approach help you find this? I'm focusing more on the subtle misdirection. Ooh, okay. Making sure this thing doesn't see me as I'm... I like that. Pulling myself up and, and out of the way and... and going for an approach okay so this is the role that's going to happen uh zach is hammer going to help yes okay so you can help um by taking he already has the ghost's ghost's attention here um and so he'll probably just kind of lean into it maybe you know step a little closer say some shit wave his hands sure sure sure. the the normal trying to get a ghost's (laughs) attention thing yeah yeah so Uh, so uh teamwork you are assisting um, or potentially protecting 
Um, in this situation, we're talking about yep. assisting. So you're taking one stress to give another character one die. Wonderful. It could also shift to that protect if it goes after him. I do have. You'd have to take another stress and resist in place of him, basically, when that happens. If that happens. Gotcha. Sort of thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Good enough. Perfect. All right. So what is my position? Your position is risky for sure. Okay. You have the one bonus die from a friend. Mm-hmm. You're using your climbing gear, which is part of the gear that you need to get this to happen. So I'm not going to give you a bonus die on that because it's kind of like you, you're requiring to use it to sense. have this have any effect. But okay. if you do succeed, I think I'm going to count as two successes on the get the item. So this would be a uh, a standard standard effect. effect. Yeah. Okay. And one bonus die. Yep. Now, would you like to change your position, make it desperate, <clears throat> gain some bonuses? Uh, later down the road. Mm. So if I made it, I could go desperate. Great. Yeah. No. Um, no, I think I'm just going to stay where I am. Okay. I think I'm going to as is here. Perfect. No. For that exact reason. <laughs> All right. For well, that it, exact reason. <laughs> it's only risky. So you suffer a complication. Okay. The complication in this situation is possessed. The ghost moves towards you specifically, trying to, you know, basically cause harm to you. It is going to be a level four harm, which not dead, but uh, Mm -hmm. specifically causing a trauma to you. He is trying to haunt you, to make you be haunted by him as you start to climb up. And he seems to have a lot of lateral flexibility to fly up and, and, you know, basically get in your face about this. Sure. Well, I definitely think I want to try and resist that. Sure. <laughs> um, you can so also jump in there, Hammer, if you want to. You would take a stress just for trying, and then you'd be resisting in his place. But how are you going to resist this? Resolve, I guess, would probably be the best. Uh, I would agree. You know. It seems to very well fit, and it also fits with your yeah. own sort of willpower. You're just kind of like, nope, you don't get to have my brain. It's off. Right. I am so, just thinking about jumping in there, to be completely honest. Um, resolve is pretty, pretty good. I'm pretty good with res- resolve. You are. So unless so. Well, I mean, I now have a two in resolve. So oh, I got a three. So no, no, no it's the dots yeah, on the side, not the uh, not the experience yeah. points. Right. right. Oh yeah, I have I have one. So okay, yeah, yeah let me just let me do it then. Do I just click the the resolve? You should be able to just click the resolve uh, button. Yeah. Okay. There's no there's no resist. Uh, no no bonus dice for this. Nope. Uh, okay. Okay. So you suffer a stress, and uh, I'll take it. you downgrade to it was level four. No, if you resist it, you just fully resist, right? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, cool means it didn't happen. Yep. So you you just resisted. This thing comes up. Its avian beak does not still move, and it makes this. You know, as it gets closer, kind of like the the angels from the uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah. You know, right. kind of charging towards you, their wispiness. And you realize it's not a bird demon creature. It is it is probably whatever spirit warden that previously wielded this weapon is somehow stuck to it. Mm-hmm. And oh. he is still in his tattered, ripped up spirit warden looking, you know, garb. And that that bird beak is just his mask his spirit mask and mm. he tries to charge at you his eyes burning into you this ghostly spookiness 
And you're like, man, I've seen this shit before. I done played Ghostbusters. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Okay. And he's uh, um, he's being antagonistic, but he doesn't seem to have a hold on you. Okay, gotcha. We are also advancing the clock by one, or being uh, discovered. Figures. Um, it's rough out here. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> you guys are rolling so good to start, and then we get to the actual thing. It doesn't. It's not rolling so good. Of course, That's how it works every time. That's how it works every time, my friend. Yes. <laughs> Hammer's just kind of like, I'm hmm. just going to go grab this thing and, and run towards the door. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> and what is your approach, sir, for just grabbing this thing? What skill? It's sort of mechanical or something. Are you trying to do to just grab it? Um, you know, actually, instead of just like a full sprint at it to grab it, since the the specter is already somewhat distracted uh-huh. by flint i'm i might use a little bit of i don't know sneaky sne- more sneakiness to try and like go and grab the item while it's not watching it directly i have an idea for you but you'd have to you know mark off using your fine long rifle okay you could make this a hunt approach and basically try and knock it off its pedestal from a distance with precise shooting. Oh, that's a... Yeah, I was like, I don't know if I want to shoot because we're in the basement of this really... Uh, who cares? Um, yeah, yeah, I might I might do that. Yeah, I'm going to do that. It would be... Because that leaves me with one more slot that I can use something else. It's a desperate effect, but... Uh, desperate with great effect. Desperate with great effect. And I will... Since I'm distracting this thing i will use my uh my second use of foresight and uh give you mm. assist give you teamwork yay teamwork <laughs> teamwork makes the dream work indeed it does or something it does um all right great effect two, one bonus die yep two bonus die. one bonus die one bonus die mm-hmm. and Hmm. All right. So you level your rifle and blah, this thing goes off. Mark uh, the uh, experience point next to insight for a desperate effect. And this thing topples off with a four. You have succeeded, but you suffer a serious consequence. In this consequence, we are going to say that one of the traps springs as this topples off and hits a stone panel, something on the floor, that triggers another trap of a form. The severe consequence, and we're going to mark one on the discovered track. It is, it is coming to an end here, and we're going to start a new clock that's called Drown. Uh, as the oh. uh, cavern here starts to fill up with water, and the fill door behind you is starting to close. Okay. So, the severe effect is you have danger coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> from multiple sources okay but the sword is down on the ground you can grab it you have successfully knocked this off the the pillar and so that counts as retrieve item that counts as uh, three text, on the tree retrieve item yes you you have okay. it away from the pedestal and you almost have it in hand you need one last thing to try and make this happen and okay. I think one of you would try and grab the thing and one of you would try and get you all out. So one of you make a roll to try and 
and get the last retrieve. And one of you try and get everybody out before you drown. Okay. Now I was envisioning that I I was in the rafters when this thing attacked me and I couldn't get it. I, yep. and I couldn't get it further. That than works. That, right? I like that. So yeah. I, but okay. So I'm gonna try and swing down and snatch this thing up. Uh, nice. So so I'll focus on that. You know, of course I got this thing on my on my tail, but yep. I will uh, focus on on uh, on that. I think that's desperate because you're swinging down into water off of this rafter, and your previous climbing roll didn't really work so well. But I'm gonna say it's great effect, which means you can also help uh, if your if your roll succeeds with great effect. I will give a mm. free bonus die to your teammate, basically. For gotcha. You guys okay. Out. I will do that, and uh, because of where we are, I'm gonna push myself. Cool. You take two um, stress so and get another bonus two more die. Stress. What skill are you using? Gosh, what is? I'm, I'm guessing prowl, climb, swim, jump, tumble. Yeah, I could see hunt. I could see prowl. I could see maybe tinker, finesse. If you were like trying to use like maybe like the rope work, uh, both on how you're tied up and how you're gonna maybe like lasso the. the... Yeah, finesse and prowl are, are the same for me. So okay. let's go with. I did finesse last time. Let's do prowl this time. Sure. So. Uh, boom. And you said this is desperate? Desperate. desperate. And great effect. Uh, would I get one bonus die? From pushing yourself? Uh, yes. Okay. Drum roll, please. Uh, okay. All right. You succeed with great effect, which means you retrieve the item, and we're going to give a bonus die to Zach on his next roll. We have succeeded on retrieval. Yay. Ba-dum, ba-dum. Yay. Okay. But with that, uh, the alarm is going off. There, there is something in the light that you tripped uh, that is actually an alarm of some form. Uh, it was reflecting out it. something around the base uh, and the sword itself. And with two points interrupted, we, we are now fully alerted. The gig is up and you guys gain a heat. But okay. you still have to worry about drowning and getting out alive. So there's that. Yep. So um, that's up to you. That's up to me. So if I've used an item, is it like still in the scene? Mm, somewhat. Like, so I, I used my rifle yeah. to shoot. Effectively, it's, in, it's already been spent. Uh, imagine it's like a single shot. Right. I'm assuming as the door's closing shut, I use the rifle to jam it, to keep it open. Okay. Hmm. Try and give yourself a little bit of time. Uh, yeah, give a little time and give us give us a, a kind of enough room to escape through the door before it closes shut. I would say this would be marking off an unusual weapon as kind of like an implement, mm. so to speak. Yeah. Um, so narratively, he's using the same item. He's using the same item, which I love. You know, you got like your, you, this is what you do. You are your rifle. Your rifle is your tool for everything. That's cool. Right. I like it. I think the danger in this situation is if there is a major consequence involved, uh, it might put a damage on your item. That's fine. Okay. This, perfect, this perfect. weapon's been through hell and back like 30 <laughs> times, sure. man. Of course, it's, the worst part is it if all, you it'll completely fail and you both bad. drown and die. So that would also be bad. There's that. Right, exactly. So <laughs> it's like uh, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> oh. But I would probably, I don't know, it's kind of a, sur- a survival tactic. So could I, I use hunt for this? Yeah. Wonderful. Um, and I get, it's, I'm assuming this is risky or desperate. Desperate. 
Everything's desperate now. Desperate. Everything's desperate now. And uh, effect? Uh, I'm going to say this is going to have standard effect. Okay. Um, and, and your buddy from succeeding on the previous one has given you a bonus die as well from that. Wonderful. And you could push yourself or ask for a devil's bargain. I mean, I already started with the devil's bargain, so might just take it up one more. If mm. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, are you are you asking for help from this entity, or are you seeking a different devil's bargain based on the circumstance? I'll just go with the same one. Okay, perfect. Uh, you can get a free bonus die if you mark two more on that clock. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I hate saying yes to that, but man. <laughs> oh man. Okay. If it was easy, um, everyone would do it. That's why it's a devil's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I know it's just me. <laughs> uh, uh, six. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Okay. So with this, you have succeeded. In a desperate situation, the position with a six, you do it. It's still the same. Uh, you know, whether it's a six or a critical, it's the same result on each one. Make sure you mark the XP for doing a desperate roll uh, and give us a little flavor on, on how your friend swooping down, pick, grabbing the sword, swinging out of the room with you, and you kind of lock the door from closing on you. How you guys get out? What happens? Mm. Yeah, so like as... As, uh, you know, this whole scene happens, he swings, he gets the sword, he swings again, and at, that's as I'm jamming that, the, the rifle in, in the door to keep it open, I turn around, see him swinging, he just swings through me and the rifle, it dislodges the rifle nice. from the door. Because I'm just going straight through it. <laughs> Love the it. door shuts just as water's starting to rush, rush out. Mm. And heist. Take a second nice. to to just uh, jump up and regather ourselves before sprinting back the way we came. I'm assuming yes. through the secret entrance. Yes, I agree. With the uh, the Sliding claxons blaring, the uh, the house alarms going off, you know that you know uh, you have a little bit of time uh, before everything is is done. But uh, you slide out. That is the end of the heist. We call it there on the heist. Ooh. We move on to the next section, um, which is the uh, downtime section. Take a breath section. here for a second, Mark. We can take a, we can take a breath here. Yeah. <laughs> I heard you yeah, gasp right. at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. At uh, this point, I think we would usually do uh, downtime. Logan, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but we'd basically just do the, the after scene. Uh, after the heist here and then kind of uh, a recovery phase I might call it but it has a different name we might pick that up on the next episode uh, as well as do a, a little bit of reflection here after this first uh, episode so uh, stay tuned we'll pick that up next time <laughs> <laughs>